0: Hello, Worcester and the world. You're listening to Public Hearing on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Joshua Croak. I'm the founder of Action by Design, where we help organizations and communities engage people with purpose. We're about doing community engagement right, and that means centering equity, justice, and joy. Public Hearing is our show about making public participation and civic engagement more accessible in Worcester and sharing stories from people in our community doing work that resonates with our commitment of engaging people with purpose. This is the Public Hearing Podcast. For listeners who have been following public hearing, we've been doing this series on the roughly $146 million the city of Worcester is receiving through the American Rescue Plan Act, also known as ARPA. This money has been given to communities to aid recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and is meant to prioritize people who have been most disproportionately impacted, which is our low-income communities and our communities of color. One of the areas that we all know in various capacities, most likely, is the impact the pandemic has had on jobs and our workforce. So today, our guest is Jeff Turgeon, Executive Director of the Mass Higher Central Region Workforce Board. Jeff is a Worcester native and graduate of Worcester State University. He began his professional career at the central branch of the YMCA of Greater Worcester, has also served as a program management a program Manager for the U.S. Department of Labor before becoming Executive Director of Mass Hire in 2008. Jeff, welcome to Public Hearing, and thanks so much for joining yes. us today. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: I always like to provide space for guests to share a little bit more about themselves, their experiences, and any part of their social location that might help add context for our listeners about you and your involvement in our community. So, welcome, and what would you like to share that we don't know from your bio?
1: Well, you know... Um as, as you had, you'd you read, I am a Worcester native, grew up over by Tatnik Square, so um, I think that, that right there might tell some people, you know, kind of grew up in a what I would kind of call kind of a sheltered kind of environment, right? But um, one of the, the nice things about Worcester, it is um, for a city its size, it does have a lot of social connectivity, and as a, a younger guy... Um, I got a chance to uh, meet a lot of different people. One of the more formative uh, periods of my life, I was a member of the uh, Lincoln Square Boys uh, Boys Club back then and and went to Boys Club camp every summer. So, you know, that gave me a bit more grounding, if you will, the real Worcester. Um, At the same time, I'd be, you know, riding my bike up uh, through the woods, uh, you know, West Statenick and that area, right? So kind of a a really neat experience. uh, experience growing up. And, and one of my first jobs, as you'd mentioned, my first professional job uh, was to was to be at the Central Branch YMCA, so right there in the heart of Maine South. I uh, got a chance to really uh, connect with a lot of great people, um, including Brenda Jenkins. Um, uh, shout out to her and all the work she does uh, in the community. And so really got a chance, though, to kind of see uh, and meet some great people in Worcester, all social strata, the neat thing about the y m c a traditionally and, and certainly the time I was there is you know you might have a CEO on the treadmill next to someone who 's in recovery at a halfway house right you, and, and, and everyone kind of uh, in between in all all areas, so um, it was really neat to see that 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 social kind of melting pot, if you will, of people getting together, common purpose of uh, uh, of trying to, um, you know, be mindful of the community and, and, and helping themselves and, and community members. So it was a really neat environment growing up, uh, you know, professionally uh, to, to cut my teeth on. And then before moving into workforce development efforts. Um, so my, my work at the central branch YMCA included the development of teen programs. So Marie Boone uh, had a huge impact on that over at the YMCA at the time um Amy Cox uh as well Roberto Diaz we were all you know so I'd kind of worked with all of these these folks to help develop teen programming uh and that included you know some kind of forays into second chance youth programs um we we ran a program called Spartacus that um helped kind of bring together kids that were court involved uh, take them away uh, on weekends to you know hike the woods and to do rock climbing and to do you know kayaking and and give them some experiences they probably normally wouldn't have uh, and so from that work, that kind of led me into more team development and that led me to the Job Corps program and working with um, job Corps, which is a federally funded job training program. There's a center in Grafton, uh, as well as one up in the old Fort That Shri- It's named the Shriver Job Corps Center. That's actually where I had uh, next worked at uh, and got involved with government policy work at that point. And that's really kind of my entry into workforce development policy work uh, and, and how it relates to program development. And then from there, went to the USDOL, working in Boston uh, for a few years. Uh, Before the opportunity to kind of come back home to my roots, if you will, and implement policy, help develop policy locally. So, um, you know, when I first joined, it was the um, Central Mass Regional Employment Board. Then we became the Central Mass uh, Workforce Investment Board with the passage of a new legislation. Uh, And now, uh, you know, the state had basically said, well, all the different areas, there's 16 workforce areas across Massachusetts, and they each had different names, you know? So, you know, up in Lemons, I think it was like Career Works and up in Merrimack Valley, it was like Valley Works or something. So we all kind of had different names, different identities. And it made it tough for for people, job seekers or employers to kind of see what's going on. And so they said, well, let's, let's change the name to Mass, you know, let's come up with a new name for everybody. The name uh, after, after, uh, you know, studying it uh, became Mass Hire. And so, uh, we're now the Mass Higher Central Region Workforce Board uh, and, uh, you know, serving, helping, helping look at, at policies and programs for workforce development in Worcester and 37 surrounding communities in southern Worcester County. So, boy, that was a really long answer to to I appreciate it. No, and it, and it tees up my next
0: question okay. well, which is for listeners who might be unfamiliar with Mass Hire, I want them to get to know what Mass Hire does a little bit more. But I want to ask that specifically in the context yeah. of maybe what I'll call vignettes. Um, specifically, as we're looking at ARPA money and these conversations that we're having, yeah. which is really rooted in supporting pandemic recovery and coming back from. COVID-19 pandemic with the mm. asterisk that we're not out of it yet, right? Yeah. We're still dealing with the impacts of that and still dealing with the pandemic itself. But um, maybe the vignettes that I'm looking for is what were some of the things that MassHire was experiencing before and during the pandemic, as well as in this awkward, almost
1: post-but-not-really time yeah. that we're in now? So, you know, the workforce, the MassHire uh, workforce boards, we, bring, we serve as kind of a common table to bring together employers, uh, education provider, training providers, the other state agencies that ha- that have client services that that you know with needs for workforce. So you know, Department of Transitional Assistance, right? Department of Unemployment Assistance, certainly, um, Mass Rehab, Veteran Services. So we kind of serve as that comment table to bring people together to look at. Hey, w- we're coordinating the use, the thought, hopefully thoughtful use and effective use. Of public funding, mainly from the feds, but also from uh, the state level, and even now with the Worcester Jobs Fund, local funds. Where's the big needs there to help keep a strong economy? You know, whether it's for, so we work with, you know, identifying where's the demand, in demand jobs, uh, and, and looking at how do we make sure people are prepared, especially as it relates to those jobs that, in order to get a living wage, you know, require a bit more formal education or training. Um, and so how do we help kind of spur that? So, you know, before, so we and we do that through a number of ways. One is, is our, for adult, you know, job seekers and employers, we have career centers. So Mass Hire Career Centers, there's, there's 30 of them across the Commonwealth, uh, two in our region, one in Worcester, the flagship one in Worcester, and then we also have a satellite location in Southbridge. Uh, and, and then we also run summer jobs programs with our partnership with, um, it's state-funded, and we coordinate that locally in Worcester through our partnership with the Worcester Community Action Council. So summer jobs. We also work with schools, including the Worcester Public Schools, uh, to help create um, not only college readiness but also career readiness. And so, um, and then, and then the other things we do is we we oversee develop and oversee um, job training programs for specific industries that might serve you know particular population groups. So in other words, we have a reentry grant right now. So if you're a returning citizen, we have a training to help get you. Um, if you if you qualify, you have a driver's license and and you're interested in becoming a commercial driver, and we have a training program for that, right? So um, we run programs around that, and then we also run um, programming for uh, older youth that are out of school and out of work. So these disconnected youth out there, like, hey, you know, without going to college, you know, you you might you know you're your your outlook may be fairly bleak, right? With or maybe maybe you're 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 working but very marginally kinda attached to the job market, not making a living wage, with no real prospect to, to move, you know, forward. So that's where our second chance youth programs come in and we, we, we partner with like U Inc., the Field's school, wish Community Action Council to, to run those programs, to recruit and, and manage those programs for us, um, to give young people direction and then also Some of those basic skills, and for some, they'll go on to college. Others, they'll go right into the workforce and, and hopefully, embark on their career. So, you know, before COVID hit, um, we were we were um, uh, struggling in in terms of we never seemed to have enough funds to kind of do what we know the need was, and the need was more on the supply side. So, we, you know, when I say supply side, it's really about the job seeker side, right? Young people without um, enough resources to get into those trainings, not enough trainings available for returning citizens people of color in general um you know the economic indicators show they're most marginalized when it comes to the workforce right so they have um you know higher unemployment numbers and and overall lower um, um, you know career earnings so we're we're trying to hey what's what's prioritize you know helping uh, those those groups you know, get a foothold into, you know, a living wage economy. Then when COVID hit, boy, everything, you know, it was a moment in time, things froze. Um, you know, across the Commonwealth, more than a mil- million people were laid off temporarily. Um, businesses shuttered for, for months on end. Um, and our career services quickly had to turn to helping people access those short-term benefits. Um, we also had to pivot to an online environment, um, both at the board level with the work we're doing, staffing, um, but also all the customer services that we do. And the career center had had to, had to transition over to remote. And so now we're, 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 as you said, we're in that interesting phase where we're moving past it. Um, and so some people, their day-to-day experience is almost back to normal, if you will. Others are still very mindful of the uh, the dangerous COVID poses to them and their family, and so you know we're uh, operating in for a large extent. We're still continuing with a lot of the remote service uh, delivery, while back to in person, which is which for those uh, a lot of folks that we serve that that's really kind of a necessary thing. So on the good on the on the on the bright side, there has been a lot of investment a into the technology to undergird. Uh, remote delivery of services and, and support. Uh, and then B, there, there's been an influx of funding for workforce development and getting people, which is, so we have, I guess you would say, uh, an opportunity here to, to maybe reset a bit, to think thoughtfully about what the bigger picture needs could be. How can we drive our system forward? And I think we have a chance to, to maybe do some things creatively, thoughtfully that we hadn't had in the past. We have more resources, so let's you know let's take a breath and think about how we want to use them, you know, um, you know, effectively.
0: There is a one point two million dollar allocation in the ARPA money that's coming into the city for the Worcester Jobs Fund. So, could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit, maybe, about what some of the plans are there for the growth of the the Jobs Fund and some of the work that uh, sure. you hope you'll be able to expand or continue yeah. with those that with that money
1: so, so even though the mass hire central region workforce board is a regional entity um we serve the entire region we are uh administered under the city of worcester so i'm a city of worcester employee um as are the most of the many of the career center staff yet some of some of the other staff are stationed uh state staff that are stationed there but but we're city we're we're um so we're firmly rooted in the city structure in terms of administration, um, and so when they when they wanted to create this, and, and you know, all credit to the city council, Mayor Petty, uh, city city manager, Ed um, Augustus, who really you know listened to the community, who said, "Hey, we've got a real need here. We have a fair amount of infrastructure work being done, but a lot of the folks that are doing the work." Um, are from out of town, out of state. How do we get local people to take advantage of the, you know, building the ballpark and building these other, you know, building Worcester State's new buildings and UMass new buildings? How do we get, you know, more local residents into these, these jobs? And so, you know, like I said, the city manager and the city council they they put their heads together and came up with this idea of having a Worcester jobs fund and utilizing local funds that could be very flexible. A lot of funding we receive um, federally and state are, are, there's a lot of strings attached to it and it has to be used for specific purposes. And so, um, having, creating the jobs fund was something that is, it's, you know, still fairly unique, uh, across the country to have such a fund developed. The other thing that, that I thought, uh, you know, folks did that was uh, a really thoughtful approach was, so there's a committee that advises the use of those funds. That committee is by design led by community, the community members, representatives of the community labor coalition. So these are grassroots organizations that, uh, and uh, that are out there that play a role in the community. they at the table. These are groups that maybe in the past had been shut out or felt shut out, at least felt shut out. The perception was there, if not the reality, right? That they just their voice wasn't was was marginalized, it was never really heard. So to have them at the table driving the decisions. But also at the table is the Chamber of Commerce, is Worcester Public Schools, uh, is the Mass Hire Career Center Director Janice Ryan Weeks. So we we've got people here that are rooted in the community making decisions about, you know, where those funds should really be prioritized. Uh, and then we have a dedicated staff person and an assistant staff person that are implementing those projects. So when you talk about, you know, the use of these, these this influx of, of federal OPA funds, um, again, it's a great opportunity for us. Uh, we have the structure in place to make sure that we're getting beyond the, the committee. I know the city is also... Um, really tried to reach out and get many voices at the table in planning for the use of these dollars. And that's where even the allocations across, well, you know, you've got childcare, you've got transportation, you've got other, other um, you know, worthy uses of these funds. And so, you know, I, I'm just happy to see that, uh, you know, these funds are being used in a thoughtful way that has a community voice built into it. It's not kind of a side thing this is built in right from the ground up that the the voice is at the table i know one of the
0: you mentioned child care transportation we recently did a mini season on early childhood education and care and the challenges that folks in that space are facing Mm -hmm. with um not really supported by living wages in a lot of those those positions um In my work in educational equity in the city from a community context, so looking at the Worcester Public Schools as well as our out-of-school time organizations and really how we might Manifests an equity-centered education ecosystem in Worcester that provides learning opportunities um, and experiences for kids at every level within our community, right? In school, out of school, et cetera. We know that one of the major challenges right now is transportation. And I know that the uh, that mass hire right now has the um, school bus driver training and mm-hmm. job placement because there's such a massive shortage of, of drivers and um, abilities for kids to to get to school, so is that an example of one of the things that has come out of this committee with the worcester with the Worcester job uh, fund yeah
1: yeah that's a great that's a great example of of um the opportunity having a flexible funding stream allows right so we were able when when this call from you know we're we're also part of the Worcester together group that um um, is an amazing coalition of I think over like sixty or seventy organizations now that are that you know are are actively talking. It create it was created you know with the onset of COVID, but it kind of goes far beyond it. But one of the things that was what was happening is you know kids. With the shortage of school bus drivers, kids actually couldn't even get to after-school programs because they had to cut bus routes that would that would go by, like the Boys Club and, and some of the other, you know. These, and that's
0: still a problem that's yeah. being faced and, and addressed. Um and is absolutely a, a critical need for yeah. accessibility. When we talk about equity and who is able to access these programs, right? If you yeah. rely on public transportation to get to school, to get to these after-school programs, you don't have someone in the, your family with a car to bring you to the mm-hmm. Boys and Girls Club or these other you know, programs across the city. It takes away the opportunity for those kids to engage in that learning and those experiences. Right, and, and experiences. that misalignment,
1: right? You have resources being put into these programs, doing great work, but if kids can't get there, that's a wasted resource, right? Every, every seat in that program that's empty is a wasted resource, you know, when you think of it, and it's also the long-term, I know, like, when you talk to the child development folks, they talk about the triple win of, of um, working with, like, in the workforce side, working with child development, right? You've got teachers themselves, if we can help them earn a living wage in that in that job, well, now they've got gainful employment. The The young people that they're working with benefit from it. And then the economy overall, long term, they're setting a strong foundation for the next generation, you know, workforce. So it's like a, this amazing benefit, triple win all around, if and, we can work. It. And so similarly, right, it's like investing in, in child development programming and after school programs um, is so vital to the long-term success of our economy. And so if you've got some sort of bottleneck, some sort of gap in that chain, um, boy, it seems like you're, you're, you're not maximizing the resources you have, let alone putting more resources in, right? So having, um, having this fund, though, the jobs fund, right? So we heard about the need. Um, the superintendent uh, got with our transportation department, and they came up with a way to help do an internal training with uh, also in partnership with the Worcester nightlife program, which the Worcester public school runs. And so we were able to kind of, and then and then backstopped with the funding through the jobs fund. So the jobs fund committee, uh, you know, recognized the need, said, yeah, let's, let's invest in this. So we've put through, I think, more than 40 people through that training this past year um, so that's potentially forty drivers that are now available to the public schools that they wouldn't have. It, it's a bit of a process, not all forty necessarily are uh, fully licensed at this point, but they're on on pace, I guess or on track to to get there, right? And uh, we have another class starting this spring.
0: That's great to great to hear it, there this is also interconnected, right? The yeah. issues of you know when you mentioned the opportunity that comes with childcare and what that opens up for our own economic growth. Um, You know, you mentioned teacher support, the young people that we're Teaching to become the next generation mm-hmm. workforce. Also, those kids whose parents and families, if having access to quality childcare is available and accessible, they are able to re-enter the workforce. That's the other That's grow. another win, right? Right, exactly. So there's another win there. So outside of a lot of the like direct service, like getting individuals trained, getting people, you know, in jobs. What do you see as like the root causes for? either unemployment, job scarcity or a disconnect between the folks who are getting ready to work, going through your training programs, yeah. connecting to employers. And how do we address, you know, more structurally the the root causes that you see as as challenges?
1: You know, the 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 the, the, the angriest side of society right? might say, "Oh, you know, get get yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get to work and and then you'll, you know, move up the ladder, you know, that's how it works, right?" And, and, and that's good in theory. And, and, and you know, certainly depending on where people go, that can happen. What we're – and I used to kind of be – I hate to say it. I, I used to be kind of a work first, job first, any job, and then work your, work your way through it. So, you know, I, I would say my approach used to be like, hey, get off public assistance as fast as you can. Get back into any job you can, and then – you're going to develop the good habits of working. You're going to just get in that, you know, your, your, your mindset will be more positive, and then you can get ahead. I've kind of come around to the thinking, though, that, like, you know, your, your CNA, think about this. Your CNA, maybe you're a mom, um, and, and, and um, you know, you're trying to take care of your kids. You're working full time. A lot, a lot of times they work two jobs, um, and so you're working maybe 50, 60 hours a week. When do you have time to better yourself and to, and to get the education you would need to get up? That next step might be a, uh, an LPN, a licensed practical nurse, right? Mm. The, the level of education you need for LPN is about two years full-time, but if you're going part-time, let's say four, but that's still a lot of time and energy. And if at the end of a long shift of dealing with, with, with people and moving people around, it's physically demanding, it's, it's mentally draining... Because, you, you know, people's lives are in your hands, right? So you come home for maybe a 10-hour shift, dead tight. Now you got to get your kids ready for, you know, for the next day at school or dinner or whatever, right? You're supposed to now go to school and, and do, like, two hours of schoolwork? Come on. It, it's just—so I think, unfortunately, one of the mismatches in our society that's the toughest to overcome is this idea of we have kind of a working, poor, underclass— without any real way of advancement, without getting off the, the, the wheel, right? Like, it's not realistic to say, oh, keep doing what you're doing. One of the things that we're doing as a result, and, and we're working with federal officials too to kind of change the rules on, is to, is to say, right, if you're in a training program, um, we're going to try to get you a stipend. What if, what if the jobs fund gave you a $200 a week stipend so that you can concentrate on you know, we can, you can kind of get by for the four weeks of the training and have some money in your pocket to spend on what you need while you're taking this, you know, quote unquote free training, right? Free training is great, but it's also a opportunity time that you're putting in yourself so you could be working. So if it's, you know, so, so we're trying to do things like that, like You utilize stipends to help people make that jump from where they're at to where they could hopefully be. Um, but that's not an easy, you know, it's not an easy sell. People have to um, be exposed to what that other and have to change their mindset about like, oh, I can do that. You know. So we have to kind of educate people what the opportunities are and help them hopefully see themselves getting into that. And then um, make the commit. help them to make it easy to make that commitment. So.
0: So more awareness, more ability to be mobile in in growth in in jobs, and uh, I wish we could continue talking about uh, these these areas because there's a handful of things that I would want to address. But we are at time. So Jeff, you're thank kidding you. me. I, oh, it flew. what are we? I thought we
1: were like four minutes it, in. Oh, are
0: you flew, kidding me? It flew by. So and you asked
1: like two questions. <laughs> That's how much I ramble, right?
0: Well, we uh, thank you for coming on the show. We're for listeners. We're talking to Jeff Turgeon, executive director of Mass Hire. Thank you for listening to Public Hearing, our podcast and radio show that airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Joshua Croak, and our audio producer is Giuliano Durazio, who also made our show music. Thanks to Molly Gammon and Kelly Kozurek, who also support the production of the show. If you want to listen to other episodes or engage with us, go to publichearing.co. The work continues, Worcester, and